We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year's Eve. This is day 365. I'm going to play some music in the background while we wait for the room to fill up. C.T. Pittman, big up yourself. Tomorrow you can go to hell. Uh, Building Blocks, what's good? Mark Piesma, what's good? Uh, Let me find some, what's some good music to play for the end of the year. You know, I'm going to go some classic stuff. Let's, let's go to let's go to da, 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 da. no, let's not do that. Let's oh, actually let's do this. Uh, no, not going to do that. No, not going to do that. I don't want to hear any of that. Um, just waiting for my co-host to, to slide in. So in the meantime, I'm going to find uh, da, 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 da. Actually, you know what? I'm going to play this. Actually, let me start this from the top. Let me put this volume right here. And let's bring it from the top. Uh, so... Let me turn it down a little bit. Um, it's been an interesting week in Nicklands. <laughs> Funny thing is, I um, I uh, so I was in Miami for most of the week, and I wanted to. So the Dallas game, I so. Obviously, I'm, I'm in Miami. Obviously, don't have MSG, but they have NBA TV. It's NBA TV games. So I, so I turn flip to NBA TV in my hotel room, and for some reason, NBA TV is the only channel that just did not work at all. Like I will go to NBA TV, it will be black. You know, it was channel forty eight on the hotel TV. Channel forty nine worked. Channel fifty good. Channel forty seven good. Channel 48, good. Channel 49, no, whatever. Channel 48, nothing. So I was like, all right, let's go down to the bar in the hotel to watch it. And they had this nice outdoor bar, go downstairs, and 
I'm like, hey, can you put the uh, people on NBA TV? And the dude is like, I don't know how to work this. And he hands me the remote. And I go and basically they have every channel but NBA TV. So I'm actually sitting at the bar with a glass of rosé watching on playback on my phone. The campus playback because I can't watch it on a television, which is annoying. So I was sitting at the bar with my um, $19 glass of rosé shot Miami when I saw the foolishness that happened in the last 30 seconds. And I was just like, why do I even bother? Like, and the funny thing is when, so when, <laughs> when did I start getting, when did my sphincter start to tighten? Um, oh, my sphincter started to tighten after the jump. Well, first when IQ barely got the ball across, I was like, all right, the jump ball, the Quentin Grimes jump ball. And I was like, okay, now I know what's going to happen here. They're going to win the jump ball and they're going to score. And then when they score and it's the and one, and it's like, okay, <sighs> all right. That's when I was like, this is not going very well. And then, of course, Deuce misses the free. And then, you know, Deuce misses the – this goes one of two from the line. I'm actually pulling up the play-by-play. Um, Deuce goes one of two at the line. Let me, let me make sure I have this right. That's, uh, why? I, I knew – whatever. The point is, I – the point is, we lost the game, and you know, the game went to overtime. And, and I know everyone in this, everyone in this space knew we were going to lose that game in OT, and it really wasted an amazing performance from um, from IQ with 15 assists and Jews put up a really good sh- had a really good show and <sighs> whatever. Um, so. That's it. Uh, that's my little intro. Um, I guess, you know what? Uh, what's this guy's name? Chris Persson will join us in progress because, again, he's a college kid. I, I'm surprised that he he's away for these things. So I'll start here. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to CAFA Study Hall, the last one for 2022. Uh, although, if you're listening to some podcasts, Unless Andrew gets this up uh, before today, by the end of the day today, shout out to Andrew. But uh, this is the last version of 2022. I want to thank everyone who's pulled up on Saturday morning to support support us um, every week, especially my guy, C.T. Pittman. Shout out to you, um, who's here every single week. Um, but, yeah, the Knicks are 18 and 18. They're mid. They're exactly, they are who we thought they were. Well, at least I did, because now, I, now to be fair, I said, and, and, and entering, here entering my special guest, um, live from, who, who's recovering from an ear infection, my six and three quarter year old son, Zachary. Zach, how are you doing? Good. You're good? Yeah. You feeling better? Are you going back? You're not feeling better? Are you going back upstairs now? What are you going to do? I'm going to dance. All right. Well, I'm doing a Twitter space, so you can't just yell and make noise in the background. Is that fair? All right. There we go. Okay. Anyway. um, So the Knicks, as I pull up the NBA standings, are – I had this right here before I was so rudely interrupted by my loving son. The Knicks are 18 and 18. 
500. And in fact, I'm pretty sure, again, they are, are they might be the 15th or 16th best team in the league. Here comes my co-host. One, just count this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Oh, they're the eighteenth best team in the league with um with their eighteenth best team in the league with a record of eighteen and eighteen. They are eight games behind the first place Baltic Celtics in the whole league, and they are <laughs> ten games ahead of the Pistons, who are last, and they have a uh, point differential of one point nine. So they are who we thought they were, and I saw a clip from my man Josh Rodriguez. Shout out to him; he also podcasted Don. And I saw a clip on IG. He was—I forget who he was interviewing—and he was like, "Yo, why is everyone so bad? Like the Knicks are where we thought they'd be." And I just thought that was an interesting point. It's like, yes, the Knicks are who we thought they were. They are a mid team. They are the definition of mid. They have 18 wins and 18 losses. But I think where the angst and anger comes from from this team is not the what; it's the how. And and I heard a lot of what are you trying? What Zach? What's up? There you go. Um, it's you know the law. Obviously, the losing to the worst, the team that's not trying to win the Spurs, blowing a nine point lead and thirty three and a half seconds to the Mavericks. It's scoring ninety four points in three quarters against the Sixers. Then I think they score like six. In, or I don't know. No, they scored. 94, we're talking about, they scored 18 in the fourth. Uh, the way they lost the ball, like, there have been some excruciating, there have been some losses that have that have been either excruciating, hard to explain, or numbing. Like, so we have the Spurs loss, we have the Mavericks loss, we have the Sixers loss, we have the Bulls loss. Um we have the the first Mavericks game where we just went to, went to bed in the third in the third quarter. The Thunder loss. The Thunder loss. So we gave 145 points at home in regulation. Uh, like the 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 Celtics loss where we gave up 27 threes. The Hawks loss who were up by like 23 and lost by 13. Uh, I, there are two things that were said, and then I'll throw it over to Chris Persian to get his take on everything that's going on with this team. It's you know, it's one thing to lose. Like it's just, it's just Dallas lost. I said the Dallas lost already. Oh. Um, it's don't be, don't embarrass me. Like, does why does it have to be embarrassing? Like, why can't it be like like the game against uh, the Bucks where we lost down the stretch? It's like, all right, that's a better team. We played hard. We played hard. We played. We played hard. We played tough. We came up short. All right, that's fine. Uh, why is it – and then the other thing I heard on the timeline, I agree. It's just like, yo, why is that these historical things – like, why why is it that we're always on the wrong side of history? Why are we – like, why is it that when some historical shit happens and the Knicks are involved, the Knicks are on the losing end? That's just annoying. Uh, and honestly, that's why I celebrated and loved Knicks fans celebrated the RJ buzzer beat as hard as we did because – we never get the buzzer beater. It's usually the buzzer beater happens to us, not the other way around. So it's just, it's, it's just, it's just, a, I understand the annoyance, but 
if you live and die by this team day by day, you will find yourself ripping your hair out. If you take a step back and look at the macro, look at the big picture, the Knicks are who we thought they were. They are where they were supposed to be. Now, if you think that, and, and I think the people, well, whatever. The Knicks are who we thought they were. That's the start. I will now throw it over to Chris Persianen, who to share your thoughts on this past week and, you know, this season in general. Um, and then we'll open it up to the listeners. And then I actually have some topics I want to I wanna, I wanna, uh, discuss, including um, I'm seeing uh, stuff on the timeline about uh, if and when we'll trade Julius. Um, I see people on the timeline the past couple of days talking about LeBron, which is fucking insane, um, and Tibbs. And, you know, we always love to discuss Tibbs. But I will throw it to my co-host, Chris Persiani. Chris, good morning. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah and a happy and wishing you all the best in 2023. How are you? What's up, y'all? Um, <clears throat> yeah, Christmas was chill. Uh, what what exact games um, qualify as this week so I can get my you know take straight here? So this week includes all the games since our last show. So that will include Philly, Dallas. Oh, God, lots of L's. Philly, Dallas, and then the debacle in San Antonio. Okay. All right. Philly, Dallas, San Antonio. That is um, that is a that is a that is a group of games. <laughs> um, oh, brother! I, I think that. Uh, listen, man, this New York Knicks team. Uh, I I personally think Sean made a really good point. Um, you got to zoom out. You got to zoom out, um, and you got to just you know. <laughs> Look at the bigger picture, as Sean was saying. I really thought he was, you know, nailing that aspect of it. Um, basically, I also think that if you are, you know, a Nick fan, that's totally fine. If you're a player on the Nick team, I, I think if you have that view, you got to, like, stop being a loser. You, you know, like, I, I think if you blow these close games and your reaction is like, oh, but... We were supposed to be like 500, so it's totally chill, guys. Like, nah, like you gotta, you know. I loved what what Randall did after the Chicago loss at home, where he was just like, even though Jalen and Quentin blew those free throws, he came out and he was like, "Hey, man, that's on me because I didn't get that rebound." And so, like, stuff like that is good. Um, but yeah, basically, with this past week, you know, you start. I'll start with Christmas Day, which I thought. Actually, you know what? I'll keep it quick because I think you can do this talking about all the games at once. I, I think that the team is, is being coached well. Um, I think the rotations are still being managed poorly. Uh, or not, or just not of the caliber that, you know, they, they could be. I think that, um, I don't want to just say poorly, but... I would say suboptimally for the talent on the team. And so what I mean there is like, um, for example, Christmas Day, 
Quentin Grimes wasn't having a game, right? He wasn't, we can agree, he wasn't having himself a game. There was not going to be a have a day Quentin Grimes post up on social media after his shooting percentages were looking um, suboptimal. And Thibodeau was matching his minutes with James Harden, which makes sense. Uh, but when it's the end of the game and Quickly's been playing much better all game long, like all game long, and Quickly's been doing fine defensively on James Harden on switches, plus doing well defensively in general, the only reason he went to Grimes there is because that's what he's done in the other games. Like that that's what that's what happened. So no matter what happens in front of the team on the court the team is going to replicate what it's done in previous games because that's what they think works best. And I think it's super integral when you are someone who creates something, whether that's, you know, at my measly little level, creating basketball content and analysis for you guys whether that's at the level of, you know, James Harden creating offense, whether it's at the level of Tom Thibodeau creating rotations for the team. When you create something, you have to be, I feel like you have to be smart and you have to be creative to create something, right? But part of being smart and part of being creative involves being malleable and involves being adaptable and if in your smartness and creativity you see things in front of you that should have an influence on the decisions that you're making but they don't have any influence on the decisions you're making because you're like, well, I have prior evidence regarding this and I think that's enough. And I'm just going to go off of that. Well, sticking to what you know is good. Again, I'm, try- I'm trying to be like very reasonable in how I present this point because I do think Thibodeau gets too much hate from some of the Knicks fan base and, and way too much – let me put it this way. He gets way too much hate from some and way too much love from others. You know, we've talked about on study hall, the rotation changes that led to – you, you can say, you know, if, again, you want, you want to run and tweet that I'm reporting this, whatever, if you're that bored. But the rotation changes that led to the eight-game winning streak pretty directly uh, were not implemented by Thibodeau. Well, they were technically implemented by Thibodeau, but they were nudged. He was nudged in every single one of those directions by the front office. And then the team started winning games, and I saw tweets like, oh, well, a lot of people had a lot to say about Thibodeau when they were losing, but now they're winning and no one has anything to say about Thibodeau. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm not someone who like tweets live during games about my rating of the coaches coaching, but uh, I still wasn't pleased if I were a part of the Nick fan base with the, with the rotation management I was seeing. So, you know, I, I think it's totally fair to criticize or not critic. Like you don't have to be so black and white. You can, you can look at things, have takes based off of them and then develop those takes over time. And I think that's something that doesn't happen with the Nick rotation is I think no matter what happens on the court, um, there are preconceived ideas as to what would be best. And that's, and, and that ends up being what gets acted out on another example in the next first seven games, you could argue 
not only their best bench guard, but their best bench player was Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, their eighth game of the season, he was demoted in minutes and role in the rotation um, in favor of Derrick Rose. Now, Derrick Rose had not played better than Emmanuel Quickly up to that point in the season, but in that game against the Atlanta Hawks, the team decided to make Rose the first guard off the bench as opposed to Quickly and give Rose more minutes than Quickly that night. Uh, which was not the usual. Uh, after the game, I personally asked Tom Thibodeau what if there was something about the matchup that made him go in that direction. He said no, just thought it would be good for the team. So, you know, it's it seems that things that happen on the court don't really have a great effect on the game planning. And that's that's good to stick to your guns, but I think there's also, you know, a de- de- everything can be to a good amount. Everything can be to a bad amount. There's a balance in everything. You hear people say those corny quotes all the time. It's because they're true, right? So uh, I, I think there needs to be a balance in sticking to your guns and adapting based on what's in front of you. Um, for example, <laughs> you know, I'm not ever one to – be like, oh, this XYZ guy on the bench needs to be in the rotation, whether it's Mikhayuk, whether it's Fournier, whether it's Rose, whether it's Reddish. <laughs> Whoever it is, I do not clamor and, and yell for someone on the bench to get in the game. But in that game against Dallas, I feel like if you're Thibodeau, you have to give someone two minutes to get Grimes a, a seat on the bench. And I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, just uh, for, uh, he needs to sit down physically, sit down and breathe <laughs> in through the nose, out through the Like th- this guy needed to relax. He needed a breather. It's professional sports. He needed a breather. Um, and, and, you know, sticking to personal tenets to extents that can be, end up being detrimental, uh, which, you know, was proved in the next game when he did go to people on the bench to try and give those players in the rotation a breather. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. Uh, you don't get back into Bidou's rotation if you're taken out of it. That results in the team right now having six available players that he likes playing. And Sims and Hartenstein, I think he just plays because he has to. Um, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> well, although he does have to play them at the same time, but that's another story for another day. But I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I also think that playing them at the same time is like a thing the Knicks should continue to do against certain looks, against certain lineups and matchups. It, it, they don't have to adopt something and then have that be the norm every single game because that's the new norm. They can do things on a game-to-game basis. Teams will have players that only play in certain matchups. <laughs> you know, that that's that's the reality of some guys' situations in the NBA. It's literally being situational, um, as, as many have learned over the years as a Thibodeau favorite word. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that with this New York Knicks team, there's a lot going on as the season progresses. NBA season has a very fast pace. I think you notice within the Knicks fan base a little bit of the fickleness that you know, so many uh, of us on the beat or whatever like to, you know, have fun pointing out. Um, it, it feels like after, you know, one three-game stretch, this team's actually, oh, everyone suddenly realized what Leon Rose's direction was and everything makes sense and they're building around the kids. And now, you know, four losses, five losses happened. And, oh, my gosh, they have no direction and they have to fire. They have to clean house. They have to clean house and everyone needs to be fired. You know, it's just like, all right. <laughs> like, uh, you see a little bit of that back and forthness. I think what Sean said about zooming out and just trying to keep a level head through it all, 
is, is really good. I also think that you got to take the games and the results and the process and add that to your calculations. You know, you can you can look at a manual quickly. Here, here's a really good example. Here's a really good example. A manual quickly in the starting lineup for two games, right? And he, and he produced he produced so much so that he started out with a career high in assists, followed it up with a career high in points. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Uh, I, I would think that there are many in the Nick fan base who have been screaming from rooftops that Emmanuel quickly will produce when given the opportunity. And this is no surprise to them. So they're probably outwardly lauding him. They're probably outwardly praising him. Even though they think this is just expected, they're probably going over the top to praise him. Why is that? Because the other half of the Knicks fan base didn't like quickly. And so they are going to do everything they can to detract from these performances. Oh, well, and even if they were personally impressed by the performances, they have to keep up the front of they were not. So they will tweet things like, oh, what's the team's record in those games? Oh, the team went 0-2. Oh, see, when he plays well, the team plays poorly. And, the, you know, I, I think there's such like an extremism on both sides because each side is trying to pull the other side closer to their side that as opposed to people, you know, tugging the rope from where they're actually standing, they they reach all the way <laughs> to the extreme. And it feels like the discourse on this app would actually be a lot more level-headed if people were just more comfortable expressing their own ideas and and leaving it at that. It feels like there's always, you know, some like people complain about player hives. I hate to break it to you guys. The people that spend their whole day complaining about player hives, you guys are a hive. You're the anti-hive hive. (laughs) And you guys are just as annoying as the rest. You know, so it's funny with how this all works out. Um, with, you know, a game to game, like NBA players will talk to you all the time about how fast the season is. That is the the NBA grind. That's the grind. They call it That's the NBA schedule. Um, but then as fans, I feel like people on the other end change their minds just as quickly as the games come, you know, it's like, Hey, Las Vegas said this New York Knickerbocker team was going to win 39 and a half games after the win streak. They were on pace for 46. Okay, that's that's good, but <laughs> you can wait it out a little bit because I bet if you check right now, you know you do some quick math. They're on pace for forty-one wins. So <laughs> you know I, I think that uh, you just gotta you kind of let the ebbs and flows of the season come. Obviously, react to what you see, but uh, like Sean said, keep it level-headed too, and and just you know this is a very smart fan base. I feel like p- too many people get wrapped up in takes that aren't even theirs because they're fighting for something. It's like, I feel like everyone's pretty smart about basketball on this app. People just got their takes off, conversed civilly. People would agree a lot more than than they think. I think the Knicks fan base as a whole, whether some of them like to admit it or not, because if they have an anti-Leon Rose agenda, they can admit this, but I think everyone is pretty much aware of the circumstances regarding the team's future projections right now. Uh, everyone has the has Google. They can look up the Knicks' future draft picks. They can see that they own not only all of their own draft picks, but several other teams' draft picks on top of having a young core, many of which is on rookie contracts still. They have different salary amounts. They have veterans. They have you know different levels of players. They have some studs in Brunson and Randall. They have some bench guys. They have some in-betweeners. You know, Grimes, probably a starter caliber on a lot of teams, bench caliber on the other half, but uh right now just because of you know how many wings there are out there that are really good 
Um, and they've got a really good mix of trade assets and, and money to use. And I, I just think it's really clear that this team's plan is to make something happen in the 2024 offseason. They're going to add some piece in the 2023 offseason that will consolidate assets. I think they'll take a Toppin or a Quickly. I think they'll take a Fournier or a Rose. I think they'll take two or three of those protected first-round picks. Maybe just two, one, one or two, whatever it is. Swing a deal for, for a talented player that allows them to consolidate a couple of their assets together. Uh, and then in the 2024 offseason, they'll trade for one star with the, you know, the, the, the kitchen sink package, as we like to call it. And then the other star will want to come because they already got the first one. I assume you know, with Wes and everything, they'll have planned this behind the scenes. They'll sign and trade for the second star, give up much less than they did for the first, obviously, but you know, perhaps give up someone like a Brunson or a Barrett in just giving equal salary. You know, the Nets traded D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant. Uh, something like that. And and there you go. You have a New York Knicks team, maybe with Brunson still on it. Brunson, one of Brunson or Barrett's still on it. You have two, you know, top level players that you've acquired, and you still have some picks left to go and make in season upgrades. I think the vision is pretty clear to people at this point it's just a matter of getting there and uh that ride is a lot more pleasant when you when you act like sean and and um be smart about it that's it for me thank you chris and i'm you know i'm trying to find on mba on nba.com on basketballreference.com because i found it a while back um projected standings because i actually found that it's funny, on, you know, what a difference a week makes. On December 21st, the Knicks were projected to be 40 and 34. And I believe on December 21st, that was, that was the, we, that was the beginning of the losing streak because we played, yes, because that night we played Toronto. Um, so now I'm trying to find the projected standings now. And of course, basketball reference, like, no, we're going to hide it from you. Um, but, to your point, and then we'll and, and, and then, <laughs> to your point, and then we'll get to and then we'll get to the listeners. Um, there's definitely a the 2024 season was always their plan because if you look at and and, and I know people get angry if you look at the 2024 free agent class, there are a bunch of guys who are free who are going to be free agents who are not going to extend because it doesn't make sense for them. It's like for example, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is not going to sign an extension because he can only. It's basically the same thing with Julius. He can only. He can only. The raise that he can get will be dwarfed by the max. The max level contract that he will get in free agency. Also, can I add that? Uh, and this is not a victory lap. This is me saying it's very obvious to everyone except certain people how the NBA works nowadays. Um, and by certain people, I'm literally not thinking of anyone. You'll just. You'll get what I mean when I explain it. Donovan Mitchell uh, was was long talked about as a potential Nick target, um, and and a lot of people were like, "Oh, but he's going to sign his extension." This, that, and the third. I remember tweeting out from my account. I, I think it was something that you can search it if you search from my at and you say like Peter Parker extension. Just looked. I tweeted out something. I was like, "Wait till Peter Parker, meaning you know Spider Man." Uh, out of Utah, signs his extension because it's not going to mean a thing and everyone is going to victory lap it 
as if that means he's not getting traded anywhere. And he signed the extension. He has already been traded. So there's no there's no projection to talk about here. Like it happened, right? Like contracts, cap, none of this stuff is real anymore. So Sean like has done an awesome job of looking into the future contracts and when they expire. But on top of that, it half matters because they're going to trade for someone under contract anyway. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's going on, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Knicks Film School. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Ready to win money and boost your odds? We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards. Get in on all your teams, players, and sports from the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, MMA, golf, the W, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or go to winbet.com to start winning. That's bet 100, win 100 at www.wynnbet.com. Download, bet, win it's that simple so first of all here are the here are the players that are projected to be frames in 2024 uh i'm reading them in no particular order uh tobias harris chris middleton james harden pascal siakam pascal siakam christos porzingis i'm not gonna read kyle lowry's name demar derozan jalen brown buddy healed uh fred van vliet yeah, yeah. so jalen brown jalen brown and Joel Embiid, I think, is twenty four. Also, those are the names. Um, we, you know, I, I've said forever. I think go ever maybe he's twenty five. What or whatever it is. I, I, actually, is he twenty three? I'm I'm losing my mind. Um, basically, I've been reporting for years that their list is Booker, SGA, Embiid. Like those are the three top guys. They just want one of those three top guys. And then for secondary guys, there's Jalen Brown. There is uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. And if you're surprised by that, look up who his father is and who his father works for and then get back to me. Um, there's Brown. There's Jackson Jr. And, and uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins was on their, like, intermediary list. Brunson on the intermediary list. Ananobi, uh, I'm not sure which list he falls on. There was interest in him, but nothing crazy. Tobias Harris is someone they have, you know, they've got someone they like in the building that uh, likes Harris. Um, I don't think they're going to listen to that person and trade for Harris in the way that that person wants them to trade for Harris. But the list, like, I've been reporting the list of players for years. I've wrote it for Sports Illustrated. I did video articles. I did, I mean, I did videos. I did articles. Like, that. that's been out there. It's just about getting yourself in the right position to bite and make that strike. And that's that's about it. I think it's that simple. No, you're right. And I think, and the last thing I'll say is then, and then we'll open up to the listeners. So if you have anything, if you have anything you want to say, uh, please request, we'll bring you up. Yeah, we got to let Vivek yeah. up. Vivek was up, and then he went back down. But, yeah, definitely raise, raise your hand. Um, this is why – this is my problem with the tanker truthers because I, I've said this, and I know a number of people have said this. I don't think the people who think that's all about Team Tank could actually um, withstand a rebuild because – if you're gonna lose your mind, and I said it, I said it on front. I said it on 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 Tuesday night. Um, listen, between the Grimes Hell Ball and quickly, quickly with the silly and one on Luca, 
and quickly barely getting the ball over the line and Deuce missing the free throw and Deuce and Grimes colliding with each other, with get, which let Luke get the offensive rebound. Like, this is what development looks like. Like, part of the development, like, people think, like, when people say, like, oh, just develop him. Like, well, what is it? Like, people, it seems as if people think development is just play these kids and they're going to be awesome and they're going to take it to the next level. No. There's going to be bumps and bruises. There's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be peaks and valleys. Tuesday was a valley. Like, and people lost their minds on the timeline. They lost their minds in spaces over that one game. But now you expect me to believe that you are going to put up with that shit for three to four years? Like, like the example I always give is the Orlando Magic, who now people think they have a guy in Ben Carroll, and I wouldn't disagree with them. But since they, after they traded Dwight Howard, before the 2012-2013 season, they won 23, 25, 35, 29, 25, 42, 33, 21, and 22 games. That was their record. And they didn't tank. They never even tried to tank. They tried to be good. They absolutely tried to be good. But here's where it gets interesting. Here are the picks. that Here are the players they drafted after they got rid of Dwight Howard. Here are the first-round picks. Victor Oladipo, Aaron Gordon, Mario Hazonia, DeMontis Sabonis, Jonathan Isaac, Anzes Pash, whatever that – I can't pronounce that guy's name. Mo Bamba, Chumo Keke, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, and then Boncaro. So what would have happened is sometime around 2018, when you realize Jonathan Isaac ain't who you thought he was – DeMontis Sabonis, who you trade the OKC, when you realize Mo Bamba ain't who you thought he was, when you realize Mario Hazonia ain't what he thought he was, it wouldn't be, all right, let's just be patient. The tank is working. It'll be, these motherfuckers can't draft for shit. Get them out of here. In fact, what would have happened was, after 2013, drafting Aaron Gordon, who's a good player, don't get me wrong, but he's not a franchise guy, and drafting Mario Hazonia, it would have been, get the fuck out out of here, these dudes ain't shit, fuck them, like, it would have been all that shit. So, like, like, the tanker truthers have to take a look in the mirror and say, listen, what you are asking for, you are not able to put up. You're not able to put up with. Just keep that in mind. Now I'm bringing Vivek to the stage. Anyone else has anything to say, please raise your hand, or you can leave a comment in the chat and then just click the little um, purple button in the lower right. But Vivek should be here now. Vivek, the floor is yours. Man, I love that ranch. <laughs> uh, first off, happy holidays to both of you. Um, and Thank you, sir. Same to you. Thanks, man. Before 2022 officially ends, um, I want to give my flowers uh, and shout out uh, to Chris, um, because he, the questions that he has asked in this post game and pre game scrubs, um, I think they were some of the best questions that I have I have heard, especially those that have made it on TV. Um, you know, and it's it takes a lot for someone to actually ask, you know, those tough questions, especially ones that you know we as fans have been begging people to ask for a while. Um, so for someone to do that and put themselves on the line like that, um, you know, I want to give my flowers out to Chris for that. And hopefully, uh, Madison Square Garden, um, will be nice to him, um, you know, in 2023. 
and beyond that. So um, I just want to give that give the flowers out before um, before I start. Too kind, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really just I know this is like the the you know like the program you know team chemistry answer, but it's serious. Like I'm just out there representing WFUV Sports. Um, WFUV Sports is a fantastic program. I've learned so much. I've made so many friends as part of it. Like I I think that I'm just an extension of them out there, and that that you know the credit goes to my teacher at Fordham goes to my student director ryan gregware my teacher bobby traffordini like these guys are helping shape me into a better version of, of what i want to be which is you know someone who talks sports for a living so i really appreciate that i appreciate you uh seeing the progress and, and you know i know my page has changed up a bit i know all that like i shifted the tone of my content this that and the third but things come with the territory you know i can't be tweeting how i used to and also able to ask questions after games you know it's kind of one or the other so i i picked i made my choice but it, you know it, it makes me grateful that uh people like you you know uh, appreciate that so I, I appreciate you for it man thank you no it it goes it it's it's been long observed um and, I, and obviously you know once you once you reach that pinnacle of you know being able to get that opportunity to ask questions you know you have to you have to know how to navigate the waters a little bit. And that's life, right? You know, anyone who's in corporate in the corporate world knows that, you know, you gotta learn how to navigate the waters. So, you know, you're able to do it while also staying genuine. So I, I really, you know, I personally appreciate it. And that's one of the main reasons, you know, I look forward to the home game uh post game pressers, even in losses, because you know, I wanna I wanna hear those questions. So Yeah, uh, you know, I, much love for I think I'm a black cat, man. I'm 0 and 5. Rather, the team's 0 and 5 at games I've attended. So, uh, it's all good. Don't worry. No worries. Sorry, um, sorry about that to the Knicks fans. Yeah, yeah listen. I'll, uh, uh, one thing I want to say is this. Um, I just want to make a disclaimer for 2023. Um, you know, people be saying, you know, Knicks Twitter is this like, you know, this demonic place. Um, Knicks Twitter is not a thing i think people that are on twitter that are knicks fans are part of knicks twitter they're not a secret society that controls people um you know if they were then uh, you know maybe uh, I, I wish i want i had that power but i do not have that power to control what people think um so i get i sometimes get annoyed when i hear people say oh knicks twitter is just like you know this wild place um it's i, I i've always never believed in it so um you know, I think people should be free to think however they think, defend whoever they want to defend, and you know, just go on with however whatever they think as Knicks fans. So, you know, I don't think, you know, I think some of that's been wild, especially what's gone on. I think last twenty four hours or so. Um, but you know, I think one thing I want to say is this. Um, one thing I want to say is this: is the tip stuff is funny stuff. Um, I think I want to put a caveat: is this right? You know, we, especially in the last game against San Antonio, we effectively played like maybe what, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean and Chris, do we pay, play effectively like a true maybe five-man rotation? You know, do we count Rose and Fournier as maybe like one person or maybe a half a person? You know, Hartenstein really wasn't there. I mean, Sims wasn't really there. We were probably really playing a five-man rotation on Thursday. We you know, played, we played, <clears throat> okay, Harnstein played 15 minutes, Sims 11, Rose 16, Fournier 17. And then everyone else was, and then for starters, 
the least minutes was Mitch, who played 28. So if you could say basically, I would call it a six-man rotation because you basically, Harnstein and Sims um, are yep. one guy, and then uh, you can say Rosa Fournier, another guy. So maybe seven. Maybe seven if you're being generous, but really, functionally speaking, maybe probably six, five if you're picky, I guess, or five if, you're, if you want to tell it like it is, right? Um, of that five, right? Three of the guys, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Three of the guys are, you know, rookies, or not rookies, sophomores, I'm sorry, sophomores, I'm sorry, of which two of them were, I believe, second round picks. Um, three of them that are expected to be rotation players as sophomores and correct me if I'm wrong guys um, as sophomores throughout the league whether you're a number one pick a number 15th the 15th overall your late first round sophomores also go through struggles too is that right the sophomore slump is absolutely a thing it's absolutely a thing right so what we are seeing is the sophomore slump or sophomore growing pains is what I'll call it. Um, you know, somewhat exacerbated, um, you know, with like these super tight rotations and, and other, you know, pressures, I guess. Um, so, you know, I, long story short, it's just that, you know, what Grimes, what Deuce, you know, what Sims goes through is that, you know, this is like, we're expecting them to, we're expecting to win games, right? And then we're, we're relying on them to be, important cogs to the rotation when in reality you know they're going to go through sophomore pains they're going to you know you know we're having most of these guys play two or three you know two or three tiers higher than what they're currently you know what they're kind of expected to do mainly because of you know injuries and i guess desperation in a sense right so you know i don't like even on Thursday, I was really kind of, I was kind of in a tough position. Like, do you really, can you ask the players to do any more at this point? You know, like Randall basically did everything he could, quickly did everything he could. Uh, I mean, Mitch was a different story, but again, like, even if, you know, if you, even if Mitch did something like, you know, <laughs> you got like a five-man rotation. I feel like, you know, you've kind of asked everyone to do it, you know, these games are just kind of felt like two-a-days, you know, because the way we play is so intense. You know, it's like you're playing intense minutes. You're playing, um, you know, your offensive possessions feel like a, a grind fest. So, you know, it just feels like you're playing two games in one almost. And so, like, even the missed free throws, you know, kind of correlates, doesn't it? Because it's like, you know, you're playing with such, uh, such intensity that you're just going to be gassed. I don't, I, I, you know, do you see any other like explanation around this? I don't know. Um, I mean, even with the Tim stuff, like I mean, question now, like, you know, he, he can make, he, he, he just has to, you know, tweak these rotations a little bit, but you know, it's like, he's almost asking them to do a lot. Don't you think? Yeah. And I love to hear Chris's take also. Um, so, As I've said often, I push back on the Thibodeau coaches to win. I say he coaches to not lose. Um, And he coaches to not lose because, like, if you look at the the decisions he's made, like, when the shit hits the fan, 
the decisions he's made are safe, quote unquote safe or reliable. I mean, listen, we started, we lost 17 out of 20 games and he kept running out of bursts at point guard. And he even said, and he said, these are his words, when asked about it, it's the best we have. When clearly, now, he may have been right, but he never afforded us the opportunity until based on the season was over because he went with what he knew. Um, uh, Schwinny, Schwinny Poole had a really good thread I posted in the Jumbotron about Tibbs, and I believe it's the most balanced, nuanced, uh, it's one of the more balanced and nuanced reviews of Tom Thibodeau. It's not the Tom Thibodeau hive that's like, oh, see, they're winning again. They give him credit. And it's not the Tibbs is the worst person in the world and not, and everything everything that good happens happens despite spite of him. Um, but he said, um, and I'll just read it really quickly. I'll read these two tweets, tweets really quickly. I believe the point lies with the baseline structure he provides on both ends no longer maximize the talent on the roster or helps explore the full possibilities that you have. I think the Knicks reached this point of the roster last season even more the case now. His rigidity is good initially when you're building from ground zero like the Knicks were, and I will add parenthetically, we must remember that this team was at ground zero when Leon took over. Um, to prov- his rigidity is good initially when you're building from ground zero like the Knicks were to provide a defined structure and within it defined roles for players that you establish a foundation. What makes him good initially also works against him as time goes on. And I think that is what you are seeing when you are seeing someone who sticks to, to your point of fact, but basically a five-man rotation in game 35 of the season. Like, that's not sustainable. Um, you see that when you say, to like Chris brought up earlier, like Hartenstein and Sims make sense in certain lineups, but not all the time. Um, that so there is that there is that like what Tim's biggest strength ultimately becomes his biggest weakness, and he hasn't been able to manage that. Yeah, I listen. I also I a hundred percent agree with that I think you know he if look if the locker room is as tight as people claim it to be, then you know I think I think it would help Tibbs. When do you think to to open up the rotation at this time? In a sense, like you know. Open it up to ten guys. You know, if you're if you're if you're suffering through injuries and stuff, this is the time to expand your rotations. I mean, you think I would think twenty five other coaches would do the same thing? You know, I would think it makes your life easier. Am I wrong? Well, I'll say this. Um, I think Tibbs gets – I will say I think Tibbs gets a bad rap about being the only coach that doesn't play his young guys enough because following the rest of the league and talking to other teams, talking to fans of other teams, they have the same issue. Like, uh, Sixers fans complain that Doc Reed doesn't play Paul Reed enough. Uh, <laughs> six um, Warriors fans were complaining that uh, he weren't that, – that, that Steve Kerr wasn't playing the kids enough. Um, and the funny thing is, when you start playing the kids and the young guys, <laughs> you see what you see what happens. Like Anthony Lamb is Anthony's freaking Lamb, right? Um, so yeah, so that idea, it, I, yeah. I've always rejected that idea. But you know, it, it, it's 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 at the same time something has to be because this is sustainable. And Tim's is the type of guy that will make the change, but he'll make that change only when he thinks it's his last possible um, move. Chris, yeah. Uh... I think that 
well, I know what I think. How do I put it? Uh, da, da. <laughs> I Tread think, lightly. I think I think you made some good points, Viv. Uh, I think you made exclusively good points. I I, I do think though, there's one little thing I'll say in response. I've got one little, literally one little asterisk with what you said, and everything else I'll co-sign and agree with. All right. I, I think that what you said regarding what else can you ask these guys to do, I'll tell you exactly what else I can ask them to do. Uh, here's what I, you know, if I were Tom Thibodeau and I had it in the mind to get my whole locker room pissed off at me after that game, here's what I would have said. Besides Julius and Quickly, are, are any of you guys sick? Are any of you not feeling well? Are any of you whatever? the team would be like, no, we're good, coach. And I'd be like, all right, so then how the hell were there 15 shots up for grabs and no one wanted them? Nobody wanted an offensive role last night besides Randall and Quickly, who literally did all of the team's scoring. If I were the team's coach, probably at halftime, I would have addressed something about why does no one want to score? Like, people are always talking about young players. Oh, they want to get reps, opportunities. Where, Where were they? And now my answer to that, as a coach, that's what you have to do to motivate your guys, right? My answer as an analyst of the team, as a you know, reporter, whatever you want to call it, is that they gave everything they had in that Dallas game. And then they lost. And sometimes you just take a punch in the face from life. And sometimes you just sit there and complain that it hurts for like a couple minutes before you move on. Sometimes you just got to sit and whine and complain and you know, I, I think that's what this team did. I think they got hit in the face by a loss. I don't think they bounced back from it well. And I'm not going to kill them for it because of the situation they were in rotation-wise, yada, yada. I, I think that what you could have asked more of them was for someone, anyone, to step up and take the available usage that nobody else seemed to want besides Randall and Quickly. Um but I also understand why that happened, like I just said. So that would be that would be it, and I agree with you on, on literally everything else. Chris, you make a very good point, and I want I want to turn this to a quick discussion before I you know step down. Um, you know, when we say that nobody else wanted to take it, I didn't really watch you know the San Antonio game in much you know detail. Um, I didn't really. I kind of skipped through a lot of it. Um, when we say that nobody wanted the ball beyond quickly in Randall. Um, is it possible that this was kind of set by design and, you know, maybe in a sense of, okay, can someone like Tibbs, you know, probably encourage the guys to shoot by putting them in positions for them to score? For example, like, all right, you know, um, if, if I'm Grimes, right, you know, rather than, standing in a corner waiting for a three, right? You know, is it possible maybe you could do more, get him in motion so that he's more wide open and then, you know, encourage Randall, encourage quickly, which they've been doing, but, you know, encourage the team as a whole to just move the ball and try to get them open shots. You know, I, I feel like, you know, if you're, if you're having them sit in a corner or sit in a certain position on the court, you're basically there. The attitude and the mindset, you know, I'm waiting for the ball, and um, I think rather than you know, you know, 
I guess maybe the tip systems, like maybe you just have to get the ball in some sort of manner. Um, but maybe try to help get yourself open. Try to have some more creative sets in place so that you can, you know, you can get the ball in rhythm and you can score. And then once you score one time, it'll open up the floor for other guys to score. It'll open up the floor for you to score again. Um, so maybe you can ease that pressure. And if you ease that pressure earlier on in the game, then when the fourth quarter hits and when the game gets tight, you can then continue to repeat those sets, which we have kind of had an issue with because, you know, as we've noticed in the last few fourth quarters, especially in the Dallas game, which is one of the main reasons it got so close. Well, not close, but, you know, in a game of margins, you know, like the little plays matter, right? So, you know, we basically shift from running plays to just isolation basketball. And, you know, maybe it's just a mere matter of just trying to motivate your guys to to move the ball. And maybe you have to do it as a coach. You have to, you know, just run out better set plays or, you know, just be more hands-on with that stuff. I mean... Uh, but but Vivek, it, 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 go uh, go ahead go ahead. No no, I I think you I mean I I think that's maybe maybe that can be done too. I mean I totally agree that other guys have to get involved. Yes, other guys have to get involved too. But I think you know maybe maybe it would help if either some maybe Randall is the anchor or Tibbs is the coach. You know just just help get some set plays for other guys you know I, I would think that would help yes but you're exactly right but that would involve the coach who is very rigid moving away from what he trusts and what he believes works and at this point that man is 64 years old I don't think he's going to do that so what you're basically asking for is a new head coach no, no, Sean, um, Sean, Sean, I'll say, I'll say one thing, right? You know, and I'm just saying this is like, is someone who's also like, like above 30. You know how they say in life, you know, once you reach a certain age, you can't change them. And, you know, apparently that age, I guess, is like after the age of 18 or something. So, you know, some people are who they are for the most part. You know, I feel like, you know, with coaches, I, I, I think coaches get this bad rap. I mean, the great coaches evolve, but like, you know, can a middling coach evolve? Evolve probably not. But you know, like I'm just jokingly saying that. You know, yeah, he might be 64, but you know, maybe maybe he has some new tricks up his sleeve. I don't know. You're hoping against hope, brother. <laughs> um, I would say, listen, I would say this. Um, I would say this. Um, <clears throat> you, uh. If you look at Tom Thibodeau's past, two stops, um, it, it follows a specific pattern. Yeah, they, he brought in a structure, he brought in a culture, he brought in a way of doing things that worked. And then when things started to unravel, he couldn't fix it. Um, that's what happened in Chicago. Well, Chicago more, he got, what unraveled was he basically, he didn't get along with the front office anymore. They told him to go fuck off. Um, and in Minnesota, we all know what happened. Like once it began to unravel, he couldn't fix it. So I don't do not see this. I I've, I've always said that Tom Thibodeau, 
deserves more credit for being innovative because I've seen him be innovative. He made freaking he designed an offense around Joe Noah that got him MVP votes the year after Derrick Rose tore his ACL. But he will not do it unless he's absolutely positively forced to do it because he wants to play his way because he knows what works. If it doesn't work, he can just say like, well, if you got me better players, if this would work. Um, so I, I, I would not hold my breath. This is, this is what you're going to see for Tom Thibodeau until honestly, until he, until he feels his back is against the wall or he's no longer the head coach because he will go down. He will go down with the ship. 